Happy Tuesday, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Rocketeer Minute, where each and every day, Monday through Friday, we go over one minute of the greatest movie Walt Disney's ever made, the 1991 Joe Johnson-directed feature, The Rocketeer. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com. And I'm Hal Bryan, an airplane nerd from the Experimental Aircraft Association here in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Now, Jim, I don't know about you, but I am still kind of reeling from uh, yesterday's guest, our chat with uh, with Danny Bilson. I, I can't wait to have him back. What a... It really was. I, I can't, you know, I, when we started doing, and I know we go over this all the time, I still can't get over the caliber of the guests that we have on this show. It's just having one of the guys who wrote this, and we're going to have, uh, hopefully, Paul DeMeo, DeMeo will join us, too, some, sometime soon. But just having the people that created this, uh, that were involved in the the many iterations of the Rocketeer. It, it's just astonishing. Well, it's incredible, too, as is the guests just seem to... I mean, we've had amazing guests from the beginning, and the, but the bar just keeps getting higher and higher while, uh, while you and I just remain so average. <laughs> yes, yes. And, and so good for is, us. Yeah, and this is going to be a very average episode. We don't have a guest today, but we can, we can uh, talk about a bunch of stuff going on here in this uh, endless bedroom. <laughs> especially, especially Neville's uh, rather large wardrobe of uh, women's clothing. It's just, I mean, I'm assuming these are leftovers from uh, previous uh, rendezvous, or maybe he just right. really knows a good sale when he sees one. It's, you know, it could be almost anything. So he's looking back at Jenny, and, you know, he, it's funny. He rushes over there, he opens the closet, and he's going to pick something out for her to wear, and he takes that extra glance over his shoulder, and I always want you know, is he? Yeah, she's about a size eight, don't you? Yeah, think? exactly. As, as yeah. He's literally sizing her up. <laughs> I think is exactly what's happening there. Yeah. And then, then he opens it up, and then, as you said, he's got this huge collection of things. And you know, part of me wonders, what happened to those women? Are they? Uh, are they in the basement? Are they? You know? Yeah. Uh, it's. It's. This is. This is. His, his ex-wife got the other house, and he found a secret closet. She, oh, here's some of the stuff she left behind. <laughs> right. Or his first, you know, three or four ex-wives. Who can say? Yeah, and <laughs> it just he had an interesting range of clothes. He picks out like a peach grandma no- number, and then what looks like um a spider web. <laughs> just kind of it's right, rather, this, sort of yeah. this filmy black thing. Yeah. Do I want opaque uh, or nah? <laughs> Apparently and, not, not in and this case. Apparently can't make it all the way back to the closet. It's just like, oh, well, let's just drop this on the floor. The maid can handle it in the morning. So something I, I was always wondering about was uh, the age difference between the two. So how, how creepy is this? And I was just looking up. Uh, okay, so Timothy Dalton was born in 1946. So he's he's 45 when this uh, this movie is is being made and was airing. And, and, and she's, she's all of 19. She's 19. So yeah. uh, a real sort of... Uh, May December sort of thing, and, and not even May December of the same year. No, <laughs> it's not quite as bad as uh, my previous movie with Airport, where fifty-three-year-old Dean Martin was going after twenty-four-year-old Jacqueline Vassad. It was just, yeah, it's probably just about exactly the same. Yeah, and uh, well, Dean Martin, what are you going to do? Quite a thing. Yeah, try and stop him. He doesn't. Uh, he doesn't follow the back teeth rule. That generally, if you're if your back teeth are older than the person you're dating, there's a problem. It's just, <laughs> and I do, I do admire one thing. I do know, having being in a domestic relationship with a, a married woman, as I'm a married man, uh, <laughs> you could just say you're married. And yeah, that's true. That but it, it doesn't sound as enticing. Now, when you're in a domestic relationship with this married woman, does her husband know? I guess is my, I, my he's, question. He's starting to catch on. Yeah. <laughs> okay. My wife and I continually talk about, uh, or we don't. We've we've stopped talking about them because we uh, we have reached a solution. I 
have different choices on coat hangers than uh, I guess they are. I mean, they're all coat hangers to me, but apparently yeah, to me they are all as coat hangers. But uh, so so where are you? Are you plastic, wood, wire? I'm a I'm a plastic extruded type. I have a I have a large collection of plastic extruded. But my wife has this thing that she. It's either from, you know, as seen on TV or something. We actually had to order them. They were they were ordered through Amazon. And some woman has come up with a, a half-width uh, uh, hanger. And it has kind of a, a velour finish on it. And apparently it holds shirts and things in place. And it's a, it takes up a lot less room than your average hanger. She has an entire, we have a, a left-right kind of walk-in closet. And her left side is very neatly arranged. And I have many different colors of uh, extruded coat hangers that I've accept, that I've had over the years. I do ha- I have gotten rid of all my wire. I'm, I no longer have the remainders from dry cleaners. I do not have wire ah, coat hangers. I don't but, have any of those. So, so yeah, no more wire hangers, <laughs> exactly, uh, J- yes. Jimmy Dearest? <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, Joan can't get me on that. That's and, right. Uh, I always, uh, that always. Uh, makes me think too of uh there was an episode of uh, futurama that did a parody of that and and some you know young robot was was sort of sloppy and and had some wires hanging out and it was no more hanging wires (laughs) so it's interesting around here we uh we have almost exclusively the plastic uh plastic kind a few of the wood ones like one of the uh the wood ones with a bit more body to them for suit coats and things like that but pretty much uh, pretty much plastic you say stay away from the uh stay away from the wires i have a couple that have like the clips to hold pants but i I just I never remember that they're there, so I usually grab a a plastic one and just kind of drape the pants over the underside of the whatever the bottom the hypotenuse of the triangle there. The, yeah. the hypotenuse of the hanger, if you yeah. will. You know something that I didn't know until uh, until fairly recently was that there, there's people who think that uh, none other than Thomas Jefferson invented the first wooden clothes hanger. Hmm. I hadn't come across uh, come across that in the past. Otherwise, if you dig in a little bit deeper, there was uh, let's see what do we see here. There was uh, a guy who worked for a company called Timberlake Wire and Novelty Company, which just sounds fantastic. I want to go to work there. Who was credited with the invention of the early wire ones, but there was uh, somebody who built a coat hook in Connecticut in 1869, and that seems to be very similar to what we did. This uh, this guy, Albert J. Parkhouse of Timberlake Wire and Novelty, was frustrated. He got to work. All the coat hooks were taken, so he took a piece of wire and bent it into a shape and uh, hung his coat up hmm. and they said that's uh, that may be where they uh, started i'm thinking of her tote in uh, <laughs> raiders of the lost ark <laughs> with that rather substantial well actually that was that was lifted off of a previous uh, spielberg movie if you ever watch uh, 1941 oh really that was christopher the same lee one. yeah christopher lee has the same maneuver where it's he looks like he's about to pull out nunchucks and it turns into a, a coat but i guess nobody watched that so spielberg reused it in raiders <laughs> I have a I have a rather substantial one from the uh, Petersham Hotel in Surrey. I, I left back when I was working for British Aerospace. I had left a suit jacket in the closet, and I had written to them and said I left my suit jacket, and I don't know if it got turned into lost and found. And I know this is a big ask, but could you send me my suit, and I'll pay for whatever charges? And they said no, no, no worries, we can. You're a good customer. Will send, and they sent me not only my suit, but they sent the most substantial. I, I can't describe it. It's almost like a saddle made out of wood that my coat, what my my suit jacket would hang on. Really. And I have it to this day, and I treasure it as a. It's, it's just like I I, do, I think there are carved uh, wooden boats that are less uh, detailed than this uh, <laughs> this coat hanger, and I I will treasure it always. My I have a I have a very nice great. This was many suits ago, but I have a, a very nice uh, jacket sitting on top of it, and it 
uh, very appreciative. And that's uh, Surrey in the UK, not Surrey in uh, uh, British Columbia in Canada. I'm, yes, I'm or Surrey saying. with the fringe on top. It's not none of those. Yeah. <laughs> <Touché>. uh, <laughs> um, I do know that there. I do not know what the name is, but the type of hanger that he's using for the the women's wear that is in his closet. Uh, has a specific name and I have no idea what it is, but I know that those uh, the padding. Uh, oh, that sort of padded wood, or yeah, the padding presumably over wood or something. Yeah, else. and and it's frequently loaded with naphtha as uh, mothballs. To oh, prevent, interesting. Uh, to prevent infestations. I, I wish I knew what the name of it was, but then I'd sound smart. Yeah, we wouldn't uh, wouldn't want that. Yeah, <laughs> do admire the. I look at this thing and I think my closet has a door on it, but this is like. It has a beveled paneling that's holding those uh, full-length mirrors in. It's just quite an amazing job for a <laughs> a set that was only used for three minutes in a movie. That really is is substantial, and it's hard to. It gives that uh, there's that illusion there too with the mirrors that are off to the left behind him. When uh, Dalton isn't in the frame, and you could almost believe that this closet just keeps on going. Oh yeah, it looks like miles of miles yeah, of clothing there. Miles and miles of. Uh, extra women's negligees yeah because you never know <laughs> just in case you know the right. the size fours or the size 14s show up you've you've got it covered <laughs> he's amazing he's just a fashion bug upstairs and then we still have jenny working her wiles with her neck and and saying all the all the right lines that she she'd just been given all this information of what he thinks works or what what he believes in and he believes in old movie lines and right she's going on about what am i doing you've kidnapped her, all this other Yes, Nonsense. So confused. I don't know what yeah. to think. And uh, <laughs> the world is spinning. I, you know. And you know, when you when you first see the film, you no spoilers, but uh, you could think. And in fact, if this were a movie of 1938, she might be sincere at this point. She might not actually be uh, might not actually be playing him. That would be a, a more traditional sort of yeah he, he weaker be, damsel in distress kind of thing to just to really be falling for it. And of course, we know better. Yeah, she might believe he's a would be rogue who's trapped in a world of lies, and she's right. there to rescue. Him. Yeah, because obviously but, she, you know, he got her attention, and you know, he's he's the dreamy Neville Sinclair. Yeah, and and there was a point when she would have uh, liked him to have uh, drunk of her lips as deeply. I do wonder uh, one thing that bothered the only anachronistic thing in this particular minute is uh, Neville's haircut. I don't think that's a '30s haircut. I don't recall men cutting their hair almost Star Trek style, where that that rise from the side. There's almost no sideburn, and it just kind of generally goes up the ear. Right. It is awfully awfully well feathered, isn't it? You would expect. I would expect him to have uh, have a bit more gloss to his hair, and you know, yeah, can, yeah, maybe be, not heavily brill, brill creamed like a band leader, but something along those lines. Just does not seem to be. I mean, I understand it's a '90s movie, and they have to relate to '90s uh, sensibilities but it just seems more of a 90s haircut than a 30s haircut. doesn't quite take me out of the moment. His uh, his uh, gigolo mustache saves all of that. So. <laughs> right. Well, um, you go back and look at, uh, you know, look at photos of Errol Flynn, who is so, you know, Neville Sinclair is so well patterned after. Uh, even in uh, even in stuff like Robin Hood and things like that, it still had, it was still very firmly put in place with uh, real cream or whatever, uh, whatever yeah, he was using and, at the time. And, and he would have had, he might have even had a perm at the time. I mean, uh, you know, the Douglas Fairbanks looks and stuff like that. It oh, was sure. mostly, it was yeah. curlier hair. So I think he would have, he would have had it a little more coiffed. Such as, such as this is, this is 1991. This is how people look in movies from then. I wish we could get a better look at his wristwatch. He's kind of early in the wristwatch phase. That was, wristwatch were common but not that common they were more sure. like the aviators at the time would be the ones to wear wristwatches right uh, he might be doing it to seem cosmopolitan or modern or yeah it's uh 
I don't get a great look at it. I'm scrubbing back through again. I keep getting this hint that it's so that it's rectangular and maybe sort of a longer, slender, more slender rectangle. Yeah, I'm thinking it's more in the in the Longines line, or the uh, it could be a Hamilton. You think maybe a Patek Philippe? That's that's possible. I mean, he is a, a European type. True. He's uh, he's not from around here. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, as the number three box office star in America, he presumably could afford it. I'm just yeah. putting well, that out there. You know, I think I know somebody who might own that particular watch we'll have to check with uh, with our our good finhead friend mike uh, mike, uh, yes, mike exactly. if, you're, if you're out listening uh, and you do happen to have neville's uh, uh timepiece let us know or if you've seen a picture of it or you can give us some uh, some other inside dirt I, I keep forgetting there's 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 less and less room for guesswork in this yeah, crazy yeah. world of the rocketeer we thanks, have to, our, uh, our, thanks uh, to our resources our palm I, I keep thinking of them as uh the uh, palm terrace irregulars so it's it's <laughs> <laughs> excellent and they live in a gazebo yes <laughs> I, I do like the way she manages to block the kiss here just so, like he's 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 got the wind up in the pitch and then she's just right there at the right. <laughs> at the plate going you know how about if i get into it or would you like to see me in this yeah i want to slip into something more comfortable yeah that old stick and we uh, we roll out of that that sequence with uh, him watching watching her go and of course the vanity of the man is you know he he stops looking at oh, that that brunette that walked out and it's like hey look at that movie star there in the mirror right. that smile <laughs> that he gives and then the little frown he's he's just and great. i think it's right into the next minute is it right in the next minute we yeah, see he, he's, why he's he pick, uh, or he's suddenly yeah. sort of discomforted by the pick, by his pick, looks picking the spinach out from between his uh whatever <laughs> whatever salad he was or maybe it was in the soup <laughs> yeah it was probably yeah, he's probably a, got some soup stuck in oregano his or yeah <laughs> We've all been there, right? Uh, you're on a date, you think you're looking fine, and then you notice you've got soup in your teeth. It's a fantastic bit of acting. It it shows, it's kind of a, a magnifying glass into the, it's just kind of a little short window into the soul of Neville. And as we talked with Mr. Bilson yesterday, this seems to be a, cre- it wasn't in the script, and it was a creation of uh, Timothy Dalton, who he's obviously played many parts like this before, and he knows, well, what would a vain actor do in this part? I don't yes. know that he's a vain actor, but I think I think he'd know how to play that with relish and get a, get a bit of a comment. Part. And it's it's fascinating too because it, it points to this this narcissism, which is very easy to buy from what we know about Neville Sinclair. You know, so that's that. It's like he's he's watching her walk away and he's he's enjoying that view, but then catches a glimpse of himself and gives himself a quick smile. And it, it's this interesting combination of narcissism, but it's also a little bit of humanity. I mean, you know, who, yeah, he, he, who among he, us on a date, if if she excuses herself for a moment, we wouldn't double check. <laughs> just oh my god, my hair's looked like what. You know, yeah. it's this, have I been like this the entire time? Why didn't you tell I, yeah. me I had that thing on my face? Yeah, be breathing Whatever. into his, breathing into his hand. Do exactly. I, is it the soup? I don't, yeah. you know, I don't know. Yeah. Somebody have some banaca? He reminds me, I know we're going to go off movie here, but the uh, remake of, or the second remake, or one of the many remakes of King Kong, the one with uh, Kyle Chandler is in it from uh, Friday Night Lights. He plays in the, um, oh gosh, the 2005 version of two, of King Kong. Oh, Kyle, the, uh, the uh, um, Jack Black? The Jack Black Jack one, Black? yeah. Okay. Adrian Brody and all that. And yeah. Kyle Chandler plays, he's the movie star in the, in the scene. And he had a, in the cabin on the venture, he had a, he had his own little cabin and all of his movie posters were up on the wall and somebody in the crew had gone in and drawn mustaches on his character yeah, it was like Rough Trade was one of the names of the movies and they had drawn they had drawn a mustache on the character and he looked at it and was angry and then he then he looked back at it and then he picks up a comb and holds it under his <laughs> nose right. and looks in the mirror and goes yeah that wouldn't be too bad yeah, it and would that, work that, 
that that kind of echoed here, even though it's the other way around. That he probably picked that idea up from watching uh, Dalton, but it just it it. it it does give you a bit of, even a bit of empathy for him that it's like, oh gosh, I'm here with uh, this beautiful young lady. <laughs> you know, do I measure up to this? And I just, uh, this is the most likable I've seen in Neville Sinclair in the entire film. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's you know, just going to go down from here. Other than maybe, uh, you know, maybe initially before we know that he's up to anything, we have any reason to suspect him. I mean, he's always, he's always been sort of too slick and too smooth. So there's, there's not a ton of likability, but uh, you know, when uh, Cliff brings down the set of the laughing bandit on his head, there's an interesting scene there. We talked about at the time, it was almost similar to this in that he's, he's upset and he's angry and he's worried, but then he sees people watching him. So he's quick to smile and make his joke about bringing down the house. And that's that I think is you can kind of read that two ways as well. Part of it is is vanity. It's just oh oh no, I'm fine. I've got to keep up my image. And then part of it too is I've got to I'm going to be sort of charming and relax everybody, make sure nobody's worried about uh, about me because you yeah, know, good old Neville. Good old and, Neville. Yeah, was just one of the guys. Yeah, I'm not a, <laughs> not a sociopath and ready, you know, ready to bring down America. Exactly. You know, and just remember, there are two jerks in the country worse than him. Yeah, that's you true. Know, we know that thanks to Paul Servito. <laughs> He's only the number three jerk. Well, this isn't the greatest. Uh, I mean, this isn't the largest action minute. We do get a an interesting byplay between the two the two right. actors there, and and they they played a good scene. You wonder how. I wish we could talk to either of them to find out how they set up for the scene or what they what they practiced or discussed how they were going to play it out. Because obviously, as as we were talking with Danny yesterday, that, that there was a bit of creativity required of the actors in this in this uh, movie so right. I would, it, and I'm always interested in in uh, setups for things like this when I, I have to imagine and, and you've been closer to this world than I have and I had a, a, a very small minor in film and video stuff in college a million years ago but anytime you're working on a set like this with this many mirrors that's got to just be frustrating oh, it must be, and yeah hellacious with the cameras you, you right. know that they're those they, they probably have tape marks on the walls and and stoppers on the bottoms of each of the doors so that they don't this far and no farther Right, because when you get about second forty-eight or so of this minute, where we're actually using the mirror, using the reflection, you've got Jenny and Neville beautifully framed off to the left of the screen, and then on on the right side of the screen, we're just seeing her, you know, sort of from the waist up, straight from behind, and see his hand on her back, and it's, it's suggesting this, it's reinforcing that intimacy in this scene, and and uh, us yeah. sort of peeking in on it appropriately or otherwise. And not just the camera. I mean, you have to consider the the lights, the uh, extra oh, texts that are back there. Yeah, uh, making sure that that back wall is lit correctly and not over, you know, overdoing it from the back. So it's just making uh, sure that the actress's boyfriend doesn't show up and knock the whole thing over. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Try, try to remember that it's not that, that those back walls are not quarter inch plywood. It's just not <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh, that would have been a great case of uh, life imitating art. Yeah, that, yeah. Uh, literally that breaking walked that fall, in at this fourth point. wall. <laughs> yes, literally breaking the fourth wall and uh, the first through third. Yeah, that's true. Well, it's uh, it's been a great minute, and uh, there's there's more minutes to come. But it's an interesting an interesting byplay of actors here. I, I enjoy that. But we'll continue a little bit more as they each continue their own. Can't even tell who's faking. I mean, who's faking who? They're both faking, really. It's just different kinds of faking. Right. They'll keep play drumming this little bit. Yeah. Okay. Although, you know, Neville's faking is, uh, he's at least sincere about what he wants. Yeah. He is, re- regardless of his plots for sort of world domination, uh, you know, flying commandos, the works, he's well, very much embroiled in the art of seduction here. Yeah. I mean, he just wants the Jenny. He's not that interested in Seacord. He, uh, he's still trying to get the rocket pack. He's already, lo- he's lost... I, I mean, is he later on in the movie when we're at the? I mean, we're going a little bit at that head, but when uh, when we're at the blimp and he says the the rocket will come to us, is this the is this the seed of that? Is he thinking that Secord knows where Jenny's at? 
Yeah, I, I well, I think he, I, I think mean, he must the, because of you know everything that's gone on at the South Seas Club. I, I, I think he has shorter term ill intentions in mind. <laughs> sort of, you know. Yeah, this this is his for uh, adults only ill intentions <laughs> in mind. Yeah, his uh, his grocery break. So. Right. Uh, <laughs> let's run to Ralph's, honey. Yes. Pick up a few things. So uh, anyway, he's in the. Well, let's let's get back to the uh, the fifteen items or less line uh, tomorrow, and we'll, we'll we'll talk a little bit more about this particular scene and see how this literal scene plays out. Uh, for those of you who'd like to join us on social media and discuss your. Uh, <laughs> Your clothing hanger options in your house and what, how big your closet is, or what's what's in your closet. I, I don't think they've ever sold credit cards like that, but you never know. <laughs> uh, we, we'd love to hear about that. You can find us on all the different kinds of social media. You can find us out there on Twitter at, of course, Rocketeer Minute. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Rocketeer Minute. Find us at the big site, rocketeerminute.com, and catch up on all previous 76, 76 episodes that are already out there and more to come. So if you know if you're listening to this after we've already finished, you've got a bunch more to go and you know things to look forward to. We are always happy if you would go out to iTunes or Google Play and subscribe. Uh, just go to go to iTunes or Google Play and uh, type in Rocketeer Minute and hit the subscribe button when it comes up and you'll get us delivered hot and fresh every morning Monday through Friday. Uh, if you go to iTunes, I know Google Play doesn't have a review, but iTunes does. If you can leave a review on iTunes for us, uh, that always helps uh, other people find this wonderful, wonderful program. So join us here tomorrow as we find out what's going on in the house of Neville Sinclair. And I think we have a pretty good idea what it is. Uh, But join us here tomorrow on the Rocketeer Minute. So until next time, over and out.